Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we are your home for Triad Sports, and we are your new official home for high school football here in the Triad. The best games, the best matchups. Our partnership with WTOB and WCOG uh, begins this fall. We'll have the Guilford County Game of the Week and the Forsyth County Game of the Week, uh, both on different networks, the uh, WTOB We'll have the Forsyth County game of the week powered by Tobacco Road. You'll be able to hear that online at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com as well. On the Guilford side, same night, uh, WCOG will be broadcasting our uh, our coverage of the Guilford County game, and that will also be available to listen to uh, stream-wise on your phone, tablet, laptop, wherever. And we're here for you the entire season, so definitely check us out. We'll be unveiling the schedule uh, here later on in July. With me right now, star cornerback for the East Forsyth Eagle football team, Isaiah Crowell, joining the franchise players. What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, first of all, bro, congratulations on the announcement. I saw on uh, Monday you have decided to play for Dave Doran at NC State yes, after next year. What were the yes, main sir. factors for you that, uh, that led to your decision to play with the Wolfpack? Uh, first and foremost, I enjoyed how they treated my family. Um, my brother's there, and um, they're all good genuine people. They're the players, the coaches, everybody's everybody there's just genuine people, and I love how they treated me and my family there. I feel like home. You know, I'm glad you mentioned your brother, uh, Micah, because your your high school program, East Forsyth, they have sent multiple kids to NC State, including your older brother, Micah. Uh, yes, you were you were robbed of an opportunity to play alongside him in 2020 due yeah. to COVID moving the season to the fall. And because of it, or excuse me, to the spring, and because it got moved, uh, Micah kind of got put in a situation where he kind of needed to decide if he wanted to go early or stick around for the season that may not even get played. Um, yeah. And he ended up going ahead and, and, and enrolling early at NC State. How big of a factor was it, uh, the possibility of playing with your older brother at NC State? How much did that weigh into your decision? Um, it, was a it was a very big factor because we talked about it since we were young. So I and Jim was to play together. So, oh, wow. I mean, it, was, it was a very big, it was a very big, better for me the uh what uh what kind of advice did micah give you in terms of um what to expect from the program and i know you guys you said yourself your family's been pretty close to nc state with micah's recruitment over the past couple of years as well so you've gotten a chance to get to know coach doran and uh you know the defensive staff and those guys uh what was it was there anything specific other than that with nc state that kind of just made them stand head and shoulders above the other programs that were scouting you Yes, sir. Definitely, definitely. Um, they have a great strength and conditioning program there. The coaches, they are great. They have great resumes and everything about it is great. Um, and um, the the school is close to home, so my parents will be able to see me and my brother play on Saturdays, and they had a very big, they had a very big weight on my decision. So, hmm. yeah. And and NC State, they're um, they're they're moving up uh, in terms of um, what Coach Doran is doing with that program. They're consistently starting to put out. Uh, you know, really good teams. And uh, he's he's kind of, you know, bringing in kids from these well-known high school programs around the state uh, to kind of build that. It's kind of similar to what Matt Brown's doing at Carolina. And uh, I have to respect that. Now, your high school, East Forsyth, uh, has sent a ton of kids to Division One programs over the past decade under head coach Todd Willard. Uh, for starters, what does it mean to you to be the starting cornerback for the East Forsyth Eagles with the standards that the program has set over the past couple of years? It means a lot just knowing the type of players that come to East and me being named a starter and when the star players there, it just means a lot coming from Coach Willard, Coach Bill, and all the coaches on the coaching staff. 
What's it like playing for Coach Willard and uh, the defensive coordinator, Aaron Beal, who uh, we've become very familiar with uh, over the past couple of seasons with us broadcasting a lot of East Forsyth football games, and then we're also the home of uh, Coach Willard's uh, weekly show, The Nest. I don't think we've had you on The Nest, have we? We haven't brought you through yet, have we? No, I don't think so, no. Yeah, we, yeah, we're going to make that happen. Yeah, especially this season. I'll uh, I'll talk to uh, to Willard, and we'll uh, make that go down this season, um, and we'll have sure. you on as a guest. But what's it like playing for those guys? Because we see it both ways. Like, we can see, you know, the joking, laughing, happy Coach Willard with a beer at East Coast Wings talking to us during a coach's game. But then we also see Coach Willard yelling things that I can't say on this show on the sideline during the middle, like in the second quarter of a football game <laughs> when a referee has made a call that he wasn't supposed to call. What's what's it like playing first with Coach Willard? What's it like playing underneath a guy like Coach Willard? Honestly, I love it. I love playing with Coach Willard. He's going to push you to be a great man and a great player. Um, he's he's you're never going you're never going to get uh, you're like just because you did something good. He's always going to point out something that you did that you need to correct. So mm-hmm. I love that about him. He's always going to have a coaching moment for you. And I love that because I love the coaches like that. And then what's it like playing for defensive coordinator Aaron Beal, who we've also gotten a chance to know pretty well over the past couple of years. His his defenses have been known uh, really the personnel. They flip out every year. I mean, there's a you have a Madison Cone at cornerback one year and then, you know, the next year you've got, you know, someone like yourself back there, you know, like exactly. where there's no drop off. It feels like as the, the classes kind of graduate and move on. It feels like East has gotten to a point where it's just they're just churning out guys, and it feels like it's just kind of part of a a larger culture. family. Yeah, the coaches that have just kind of cultivated this, and Beal is so proud of the defense. And every week, I talk to him off to the side while we're doing the nest, and he'll come in and just kind of watch the show if he's not a, go- a guest that week. And me and him will just sit there and talk strategy and you know what he's thinking uh, for that week or whatnot. And uh, I've really gotten a chance to get to know him pretty well and how he feels about you guys, like the way he treats you guys in that defense. What's it like playing for a guy like Aaron Bill who can get pretty revved up uh, on game day? Um, Coach Bill, man, that's my guy right there. He's I love I love that dude. He always he's always making sure that you're you're straight outside of football. Him and Coach Bill did a great job of that. Um, Coach Bill, he's also he's also a great coach, great coach, great person. He's gonna push you to the fullest and everything. So I was like about the whole he's just like coaches staff. They're definitely gonna push you. Something else too, and I'm uh I'm alumni. I graduated in ninety six from East Forsyth. So I was a freshman when they won the state title in ninety two uh with that team. Um but I feel like what I've seen at East the past three or four years and what attracted me to come back home was the culture that's been built or really since since Willard got there. 2011, I believe was his first year. And then just what he, it took him a couple years to kind of get it going. And then just what they've built along with athletic director, Alan Plaster from the JV unit up to varsity, where it, it start. it feels like it starts with JV, like JV's the base. You guys kind of yeah. get the, 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 the things that you're going to need to know to advance to the next level. And then once you get to varsity, it's almost like once you adjust the speed, then it's almost like you already know what to do. Cause you've been doing it for a couple years already. And I wanted to kind of touch on something I've noticed where it's different at different schools. A couple schools have this, not all of them though, but East has built a culture where players come back. Uh, Mm -hmm. Guys that were there before guys that graduated guys that have gone on to play at ACC schools or power five schools, like you're about to do that come back and they're on the sidelines and they're supporting uh, the younger kids coming up underneath them. What is that like when you're sitting on the sideline and uh, you know, you've got like, you know, Christian Beal Smith or somebody down there on the sideline with you, a guy that you know put in the work with the program and and they're back supporting, like they haven't forgot where they came from. What's it like to be a part of that culture with East? And do you think that's one of the things that kind of separates you guys from a lot of other places around here? Yes, sir, definitely. It definitely shows how strong our, our alumni is and how how good the the program did right by them and how you did right by the program. So, I mean, that plays a large part in why our players come back to see different games or why they come to see different players work out and stuff like that. So, I mean. so now you guys have uh, over at East Forsyth, you are getting ready to prepare for the 2021 fall season uh, after a up and down spring 2021 season by East Forsyth standards, I guess you could say uh, it, it saw you guys fall to eventual 4A champ Grimsley on the road in the first round. Um, I actually got caught talking smack with a Grimsley player online mm-hmm. 
<laughs> before they started their state playoff run because they were talking smack about beating East Forsyth. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, you guys won like one game out of like 11 or something. You guys have played against each other. Like, go win the whole thing, and then you can talk as much smack as you want. They yeah. went and won the whole thing. And literally before I left Keenan, I'm on, I'm texting, dude, like, good job. Now you can talk your smack. You did what you're supposed to do. But just make sure you maintain, you know, what you're saying because the streets are watching. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's seeing mm-hmm. – what y'all were saying and what y'all were doing, would you would you say Grimsley has become East Forsyth's biggest rival currently on the gridiron, or is there another team that you guys get up for more than any other? We got a couple. We got a couple big rivals. We got West Grimsley, Glenn, Reagan, Summing. We got a couple rivals, but I mean, I, I definitely look forward to playing Grimsley this year to get our face back because I mean they got us last year, but I mean we're gonna see by this year. <laughs> and now, now, regular season wise, you guys don't see them because of the the way they uh, changed the uh, they reclassified everything. It's only going to be one four A instead of four double A and four A, and uh, they added to they added Mount Tabor and Parkland to the uh, what we call the Conference of Death over here at Tobacco Road, which is your Central <laughs> Piedmont Conference. It's pretty much stacked top to bottom. Um, if you do see Grimsley next year, it'll be for something important because it'll be in November or December. It'll be at the Nest or it'll be at uh, Jameson Stadium. And the winner will be advancing to Keenan probably. Um, so if that, if y'all do p- cross paths with each other, um, that will be a massive game. Uh, on the line with uh, Isaiah Crowell, cornerback for East Forsyth, heading into his senior year, just announced he's uh, committed to NC State, the Wolfpack, getting another baller uh, out of Kernersville. Uh, Isaiah, who's a current or former cornerback that you pattern your game after, or is there one? Is there are there players out there that you kind of look at and try to pattern your game around? Um, my oldest brother that went to jam, he kind of taught me the ropes on how to play defensive back. But, I mean, outside of that, um, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey and Jamal Adams, probably the ones. Now, do you talk on the field like Jalen does? Like, are you a talker on the field, or are you one of the quiet type? I'm a talker. now how does that go like because i I feel like cornerback it's almost like wide receiver you're on an island by yourself so you kind of gotta yeah you kind of usually the guys that are talkative on a football field are the ones that are out there by themselves wide receivers uh cornerbacks um every once in a while you'll get like a a feisty running back or somebody like that but usually it's those guys going on -on one-on-one pretty much like uh throughout most of the game Is, is there a um I'm trying to figure out how to put this without putting somebody on blast. Is is there a a game or a player that you remember from like previously where uh, they were giving it back to you trash talk wise? Like it was just like the whole game. I mean, it's a couple of players. I mean, I got Caleb Curtin. I mean, he was at Southwest Guilford. Yeah. Um, Marco <laughs> Lloyd. I mean, they, he got me a couple of times my sophomore year, but I mean, it was a pretty it was a pretty good matchup when I get something to. I, Curtin was the guy I was going back and forth with online, but we're going to just leave that right there. But <laughs> yeah, he's, a talker. he's a talker. Yeah, he's a talker. He's a talker for sure. But hey, he backed it up. He backed it up. I, I gave him his props. He was the MVP of the um of the uh the state championship game this past year. So he he talked. It's all I don't have a problem with anybody talking smack if they back it up. You know what I mean? Like that's just for me. If you're gonna quack, you need to make sure you can back it up on the field. And you're definitely one of those guys that can do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start paying attention to you on the field more in terms of like seeing how much you talk and smack. Cause I never really noticed it. So if you're doing it, you gotta be doing it on the slot tip. Like, <laughs> like just slipping in a word here and in, there. Yeah. In between, in between the plays. In between the plays. <laughs> gotta make sure you don't get them flags. Cause then that's where you have Willard and them yelling at you. So, uh, yeah. I, 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 I get it. I feel it now. Uh, senior year begins for you in August. Correct. Yes, sir. So what are your expectations for your East for side team? Uh, as I mentioned, the state classifications go back to one large 4A for the state this season. I see a lot of places going, oh, well, now they got to play these Charlotte teams again. They got to play these Raleigh teams again. But I always respond to that with East for Scythe was already playing those teams. Like they're not scared of these Charlotte teams or Raleigh teams like some of these other schools are around here that try to duck them. Uh, in fact, you guys are playing Rollsville, I think week three. Uh, of the season, Rollsville was the uh, the four double A runner up. They lost the Vance uh, a couple months back here in the state championships, and they're going to be coming to K Vegas to the Nest. That's going to be actually uh, I'm kind of revealing a little bit, but that's actually going to be one of our Forsyth County games of the week uh, yeah. here. So yeah, that's going to be a huge matchup. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you think from what you're seeing a little bit. I know you guys have been conditioning and doing some strength stuff. You know who you got coming back. You had guys that were really first year guys in this system. 
uh, taking on roles that they may not have been ready for yet, like your quarterback, Jalen Rayner. You have some young wide receivers who had a chance to get some run in the spring. What are your what are your honest expectations for the Eagles this year in terms of uh, playing a, an actual regular football season in the fall? State championship. I love that. Let's see. That's what I like to hear. I'm I'm a I'm gonna let Rod know that we uh <laughs> that we discussed all this because um, that's and that's the thing too for me. It's like that's is that become the standard now at East? Like is that what you, is that what we're shooting for each year? Because once you get to that yeah. mountaintop and cross it, it's almost like. You don't want to sell your program short. We're going, well, we're just going to, you know, see how it goes week by week and maybe win a conference championship and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Soon, out of your state championship. I love it. That's the that's the goal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every year. Hey. State championship every year. Hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. And with the program that you guys have built over there, I, I'm very, very proud to say that uh, they, you guys have allowed me and Rod Funderburk back in. Uh, we try to push you guys as much as we can. And we tell the coaches every week during the nest, we feel like we're harder on you guys than the coaches are <laughs> up in the booth. <laughs> if you ever listen to a game, like yeah. we're up there dissecting stuff like we're coaches for y'all. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best, man. Congratulations on the huge news going to NC State next year. But like you said, we got some work to do coming up in the fall. Uh, I think coach said that uh, this is the uh, scorched earth payback tour. <laughs> we're about to yes, go sir. on here in a little bit. So I, I love it. Um Appreciate you being on, bro, and good luck, and we'll definitely be talking to you through the season. For sure. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Coming up, more from Franchise Players next on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The specials never stop at Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. Every day, you get a large two-topping pizza for only $11.99. On Sunday, watch football and enjoy our large one-topping pizza and 10 wings for only $17.99. Plus lunch specials every day of the week. Blue Naples Pizza and Italian Restaurant, 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Franchise players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for tried sports. Desmond Johnson here with you. Our weekly Carolina Panthers check-in. Uh, went to grab Skylar Callahan. He is the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore. Uh, what's going on, Skylar? How you doing, man? Not too bad, Desmond. How are you? Pretty good. I wanted to touch on a couple of different things with the Panthers. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to talk in a couple of weeks, so I wanted to get your opinion on some of the stuff that's broke. Uh, of course, minicamp ended last week. Uh, the guys will reconvene in Wofford uh, for training camp starting late July. I believe the 27th is the opening day. Uh, but first, news broke last week from Panthers headquarters that former Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith will be joining Taylor Zarzer in the booth for preseason games on the Panthers television network. I um I actually went online and watched the promo video that was announced in the pairing, and it, and it really felt like the Panthers were – announcing not that just that Smitty was going to be there for the preseason, but that he was quote unquote back like with the, the, the franchise, so to speak. Um, do you expect Zarzer and Smith to take over the radio call for the Panthers? And how big is it that Tepper and the Panthers are welcoming back Smitty with open arms to the franchise? Well, I think it's huge, especially when you're talking about some of the the, the best players in, in franchise history. Now, granted, you know, the Panthers haven't been around for extremely long, but You've got to always welcome those guys back with open arms, treat them extremely well. And it's not just the legends like Steve Smith or anybody like that, but that's every, everybody that comes back. And to kind of mend those relationships, I think, is is, is important, especially for David Tepper, who's a, a relatively new owner. He wants to set the culture right, and I think it also starts with, you know, paying respect to the past. And and, per, and personally, I, I think Smitty would be terrific if, if he were to do this full-time do it for the regular season. I think he just brings a different dynamic to, you know, a broadcast, uh, you know, wh whether it be a preseason game, regular season game, whatever. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, but I have a feeling Smitty's going to be pretty good, darn good at it. Now, in your opinion, uh, speaking of Smitty and uh, previous Panthers, we've kind of put this out there before, but who, in your opinion, should receive a Panther statue alongside Sam Mills? Uh, is it time to add another statue? Maybe uh, I know Sam is at one gate. Uh, to maybe put another one at the other gate. Is there someone out there that should get first consideration for that? Is that Steve Smith, or would there be another Panther out there that um, might 
maybe get consideration for something along those lines? Yeah, I think outside of Smitty, um, you probably would have to look at probably Peppers. I think that's that's an easy one. Um, dude's going to be – for. I think he should be a first ballot holder. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think he's got a good shot too. Yeah. Uh, looking at his stats and where he kind of is sack wise, like I think top five, if I'm not mistaken. Last time I looked, uh, oh, like yeah. all time. So um, the only other player I could think of that would make sense with Sam being at one end would be Thomas Davis at the yeah. other end. Yes. You know, if you had something really cool where you had a a statue of of Sam Mills guarding that one gate, and you got uh, Thomas Davis at the other side, both guys. Sam Mills is in the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. I think. I can't remember for sure if he actually is in. I think uh, he, he's on the list. I can't yeah, remember. I don't know if he's in in yet. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. And Thomas Davis is going to be kind of that same type of fringe guy. He's going to be on ballots probably down the road, but probably won't get in. Uh, but for the, the sake of the franchise, those two guys are uh, indispensable. I think it would be great if David Tepper did something along those lines. Uh, on the line with me, Skylar Callahan from Carolina, Pan- uh, excuse me, from Sports Illustrated, Carolina Panthers beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore. Uh, Skylar, let's check in on some of the hot topics this week regarding the Panthers that you had uh, wrote about for Sports Illustrated. Uh, you guys had a Panthers roundtable at Sports Illustrated earlier in the week regarding whether or not the Panthers are due for a uniform change. What were your thoughts on this? Because from my recollection, the Panthers really haven't changed their uniforms uh, really, since their inception, they've changed the logo, but they haven't really changed the logo. To, I mean, the uh, the uniform design that much. Yeah, you would think that the Panthers would be kind of, you know, being a newer team and all, they would kind of be with the times and and ready to be the the next new thing. What when, when it comes to uniforms or logos or whatever, but they just haven't. They've kind of stuck to what they've what they came out with and uh, they, they've kind of rode with it. But you know, when you look at you know other teams in the division, I mean, Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Um, you know, those, those two teams have updated their uniforms and their look. New Orleans has made some subtle changes, but nothing uh, drastic. But, you know, I know everyone talks about, you know, maybe a black helmet or, a, you know, a blue helmet, white helmet, all that stuff. I think really it just needs to kind of be tightened up, cleaned up. Nothing too, tr- nothing too crazy like the, like the Rams or anything like that or, or the great uniforms <laughs> that the Falcons decided to wear for some odd reason. Uh, but I would just, you know, take, I don't, I don't really like the shoulder stripes. I think, you know, you could do some, something different there, kind of like similar to what the Bengals do, you know, with the, the scratch marks, but maybe not copy them. <laughs> do something. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I'm a huge fan. And I think a lot of the fan base says I'm a huge fan of the all black whenever yeah. they wear the all black. Now I think our record's not all that great when we do wear the all black, but uh, look wise, I love it. I wish they would make it where, the black was like our home colors and like that electric blue is our road colors. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, love, uh, I love the all black. Um, I also think now, I don't know where a lot of people stand on this, but I'm not a huge fan of the silver pants. I, I don't know why I just never have been. And I just think that the black on black, white on white, blue on white, you know, I yeah. think kind of the look. Yeah. I, you know, I've never really thought about it, but yeah, I guess that blue and silver combo I would prefer it to either be all blue or uh, or white uh, at the bottom, I guess. So, yeah. So, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of the silver in there. It, it never really bothered me that silver was part of the color scheme. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would love for them to do something like that. But I think they're okay with uh, the general base of what they've got for the uniforms uh, currently right now. Um, now, Skyler, they just finished minicamp last week in Charlotte. The Panthers' defense looks totally different from a year ago. Let's talk a little bit about the secondary. Uh, all the offseason moves and free agency in the draft. How excited do you think head coach Matt Rule and defensive coordinator Phil Snow are with what they have in place and what they saw so far from minicamp? Who has the inside track in your mind to be the two starting cornerbacks week one? Yeah, I think they're antsy to get to the season because they do not have <laughs> – these types of guys in their in their cornerback room and in safety room a year ago, they didn't even have really the bodies. They were putting guys on the roster who they were adding during the season or they signed as undrafted free agents. So they've actually got depth and, and talent at both spots now, which is which is something again that they didn't have a year ago. But I, I would definitely say as far as the two corner spots go, I'm gonna say obviously JC and Dante are the two front runners. And they have been talking about playing three corners. So imagine, you know, that would be A.J. Boye's spot. He has looked really good. And I figure he's probably going to be the guy that covers the slot a little bit. Um, and, and I think they're they're okay with going with three corners. So 
Uh, they're just going to put the best 11 players out on the field, and whether it's three or two corners or you know four defensive linemen, three defensive linemen, it doesn't matter. Phil Snow is going to change that that defensive look up constantly, and I think they're just going to have the best guys on the field. So. Uh, let's move over to offensive line, another maligned unit from last year, uh, really just due to a lack of bodies towards the end. Uh, a lot of talk online regarding third-round pick uh, that they traded down and eventually selected uh, BYU tackle Brady Christensen. Where do you think Christensen, Christensen ultimately ends up on the line? And is he a candidate to start week one in your mind, and, and where would that be? You know, I don't know if he's going to be – in contention to start week one unless there's some sort of injuries or something that goes down. But, you know, it, it kind of caught me by surprise that they were going to keep him at right tackle. Now, I know that they they didn't really see him as a left tackle, um, but just considering the, the kind of depth that they have at left tackle, I thought they would at least give it a shot. Um, but I think he's going to end up being a guard. That's just me personally. I, I think they'll kick him inside to right guard. Taylor Moten's not going to be losing his job anytime soon, and I don't really think that they're going to flip Moten from right to left full time. So with that being said, I think they're just going to work him under Moten, see how that goes, and maybe, you know, maybe it could, it could be they're grooming him to be the next right tackle, and then that way Taylor Moten could make that switch to left tackle, and now they've got two decent tackles. So maybe that's their, their thinking, but – I, I just think he's he's too um, – his body just looks too much like a guard. I think he, he his movement is a guard. It's just everything about him just screams guard. Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated joining us here on Franchise Players, talking a little Carolina Panthers news and notes. Uh, nice segue there with Taylor Moten because that was actually my next question. Uh, what, what's up with Taylor Moten? Because the team and Moten's agent were unable to complete a long-term deal. Moten will play under the franchise tag unless something changes at $14 million for the season. Uh, Skylar, what are your thoughts on the situation, and are you concerned that a deal hasn't been struck yet? Uh, you know, I, I think that the way this has kind of unplayed, I think that you're going to see a deal happen at some point. Now, whether it's before the season or not, I, I can't really you know gauge that. I think it's it's just going to come down to can the two agree to terms, obviously. And I just don't think that with the minimal time that's left but between now and, and training camp that there's going to be enough um, – time for those two guys for those two sides to come together so I would expect he's going to play under the franchise tag in 2021 they'll get a deal done in the offseason it seems like again it's hard to really tell because you don't really know the answer but it seems like Moten wants to be in Carolina so that's the first part of the process and it seems like Matt Rule wants them that wants him to be a part of this team for the foreseeable future. So I think the the mutual interest is there. They just got to get the numbers right, and I think it'll all work out. Now, in the first year of the Matt Rule era, last year, twenty twenty, the Carolina Panthers went five and eleven, but really eight of those eleven games they lost by just one possession or one score. You could say uh, they were pretty competitive all year long. But really, they just had massive holes in the roster that were kind of exposed by the end of the year. Right. Skylar, where on paper do you think the Panthers have improved the most? And is there a unit that these Panthers can have a top 10 ranked unit in in 2021? Yeah, I think it's definitely just the entire, really just the entire defense. I don't want to really seclude just one unit because I think when you look at it, they improved all three levels. They got uh, a pass rusher in Hassan Reddick, which last year outside of Brian Burns, they really didn't have much of a pass rush. They fixed that with Reddick. Hopefully, Yitor Gross uh, Matos comes along. Uh, they they gave Derek Brown some help in the middle uh, with Daquan Jones. They got an upgraded linebacker with Denzel Perryman and, and added another depth guy with uh, Frankie Louvu. And then, obviously, all the changes that they've made in the secondary, which we talked about. I really do think that this defense could be a top 10 defense at, and at, at the end of the season. Now, we know that the, the schedule was very favorable early on, so I think it's really going to be how do they handle that back half of the schedule. And I think if they can figure things out early, that'll help them kind of keep things tame for the, that brutal stretch that they go through at the end of the season when they got to play uh, Tampa twice and New Orleans and, and Buffalo. So, um, But, yeah, I think as an overall defense, they can finish top 10. The secondary is probably going to be the highlight of this thing, and I think they could be – maybe a top five or six, you know, secondary unit. Follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated. Skylar Callahan, friend of the program, stopping by franchise players to give us the dish on the Panthers. We'll definitely have you back on uh, here again real soon as we inch closer and closer to a quote unquote regular uh, preseason, I guess you could say. 
for the NFL and our Carolina Panthers. Always appreciate having you on, bro. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Coming up, more from franchise players next on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome to Franchise Players. I am your host, as usual, Desmond Johnson, joined by Ryan Stone, Jay Spivey, and JP Mundy. You can follow us and other shows on Tobacco Road Sports Radio at Tobacco Radio on Twitter, or go to Facebook, type in Tobacco Road Sports Radio, pound that like button to get the latest podcasts, articles, uh, insight, everything you need from your home of Triad Sports. Guys, we've actually been kind of uh, off for a couple of weeks uh, with this panel with uh, different scheduling, and then I, I wanted to take a quick vacation, and uh, I had a, a snake get in my house. <laughs> like, all kinds of stuff has happened over the past couple of weeks. But uh, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to the program. We, last time, uh, previously on Franchise Players, last time these guys were on, we were in the middle of doing our NBA Greatest players list uh numbers one through 15 we did numbers uh 11 through 15 and today we are going to knock out the bottom half of the top 10 uh number six through 10 and we'll start at number 10 are there any volunteers that want to go first with their list with their uh their 10th uh best player of all time in nba history no volunteers no volunteers <laughs> nobody wants to go <laughs> i mean i'll go I'll, I'll, I'll go all right, I'll, so JP's I mean, gonna set it off. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and I gotta tell you, I'm gonna be the grumpy old man uh, because after, <laughs> after, after after trying to watch the NBA playoffs and get some excitement and get into it, I, you know what, guys, not an NBA basketball fan. So, um, with that being said, I am of today's I, game, right? Like, I mean, like yeah. what's happening right now? Like, I, I mean, I don't yeah. blame you. There's there's not a lot of star power left, and everyone is hurt. So this is a yeah. weird year. Uh, for the playoffs, uh, probably because of the way they did the bubble last year and it's starting right behind it. But I, I get it. I get it. I'm having a hard time really staying connected myself. So so I just wanted to put a disclaimer out there hey, to, uh, all, to the rest of, of you, though. I want to make sure that you guys know that I have my rankings are strictly based on numbers. I wanted to JP, be uniform. Yes. I'm sorry to bother you. you can, can you fix your mic a little bit? You sound like you're in a tunnel. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. So one of I mean, you go. I hear you I'll fine, but it just sounds like you're in a tunnel. Are uh, you? I'm in, I'm in my car. Oh yeah. That's, oh, sound oh, like that's probably that's probably why. That's probably why. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. So Sorry let me that. so let me lay out the ground rules here for this. We're gonna let whoever goes give they get a hard minute, sixty seconds to discuss. Uh, on their own without any kind of interruptions from us why they picked that player at that position and then we'll have a minute and a half of the other three either bashing the pick or agreeing with it wholeheartedly or whatever hijinks are going to ensue uh from this um jp has decided he would like to uh jump off the diving board first so uh jp who do you have at number 10 on your list of greatest nba players of all time i'm gonna go with kevin garnett desmond uh, okay. he, hey, get a minute. Go for it. <laughs> I, I'm not real passionate about any of these guys either way, but he scored over a course of 1,462 games. He scored uh, – that's regular season games. He scored 26,000 points. Um, you know, he did play 143 games in the playoffs. What did he get? We ended up with one championship, right? With one title Celtics. in Boston. Yeah. Right. So he doesn't have the biggest playoff resume or championship resume, <clears throat> but he certainly has – um, he, he's got over 14,000 rebounds. Um, he's got over 5,000 assists, and he's among – and when you take a look at all of the stats uh, for the top 50 players in the game, um, he is up there in the top 10, and based on my expert spreadsheet system, he came in at number 10. Uh, Ryan, Jay, um I'll just, I'll just, I don't know if, if anyone else is going to mention it, but I have an issue with how you made this list. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. It's going it's to skew, it's going to skew towards the players that played longer. So, I like guys like Kareem are going to be at the top because they played nineteen years. Kevin Garnett played like what seventeen years, eighteen years in the league. I got a question, JP. Didn't you do this based off guys you actually have seen in your lifetime? Is that is very true. 
that is very true. Also, I based it on stuff. I, I was very uniform in, in, in how I did this because I'm an analyst by trade. So I have to base it. All my stuff in my real world jobs is based mm -hmm. on stuff that actually happened. Stuff mm -hmm. that is. I, that I agree with that. Measured. I totally agree with that. Okay. And I, and I also, in order to take out the, um, I did factor in an average length of service and then used and got a per game out of that. So I didn't just. My goodness gracious. Yes. Damn, man. You've just been working on this all month. <laughs> I did. I went back after, after how bad my first five were. I went Just and, go on but, instinct. But, but guys, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. But guys, I, and this is so important because I'm going to get clowned for a couple of these, maybe more than a couple, is it's so important that the ball don't lie statistic is not a part of this. All right. My stuff is, I didn't, not the eye test. It's stuff that actually happened that was recorded. So keep that in mind when you hear Michael Jordan's name here shortly. I can't, I can't bash it too much because I have to hear the rest of your list. I can bash based it. On I know JP. I already know where this is going. Based on, <laughs> I'll bash it. Based, based on, you know, like the rest, like your lifetime because. <laughs> So like, wait, 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 wait. So you don't have any guys in your list that played before you were born or guys that you were aware of, like, or weren't aware of, like, as a little kid? Is that what I'm understanding or JP? Um, Hello? <laughs> okay, well, I muted his mic. And there he is. I'm here. I, my, my phone is being, uh, it's quickly disintegrating on me apparently, but no, I <laughs> I, I did limit to the guys I did see. So, the, but there, I did not. At the end of the day, after I after I cut my pool, my player pool with stuff people I'd actually seen, then I only went on. I did not use the eye test going forward. So that's how that was pared down. It's a good question, Ryan. All right, I got you. Because I mean, I'm looking at my top ten, and even in my top ten, there's only two guys that I didn't see like with my own eyes. Uh, so I, I can I can understand that logic. Um, Jay, you want to go next here? Who your number ten pick was? So, so uh, JP picked Kevin Garnett. Interesting choice for sure. Oh, I'm not going to. Well, I, I mean, he's certainly one of the better players, but I wouldn't rate him in the top ten players ever. But I no, mean, that's I mean, just yeah, me. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's top, um, he's top twenty-five. I'd put him. Yeah, I'd put him maybe top twenty-five, top thirty. I, I could comfortably do that and feel good about it. And my t my tenth person is strictly based on what he did early in his career, and I'm going with Shaq because he was truly the most dominant big man of his time. And and before he gained all the weight, he, I mean nobody could stop him. I mean I mean he kind of transcended the position, even though the center position is basically vacant right now. But you know, since he's retired. I, there's no nobody been anywhere close to the guy. I mean, he had uh, almost 24 points a game. I mean, a bunch of rebounds. Nobody could guard him in his prime, and I mean, he, he was just phenomenal. I uh, I had Shaq at number 11 uh, on my list uh, the last um, yeah, time we, we did this. Yeah, and you'll see why because of who I have at number 10. But uh, I, I agree. Uh, early Shaq, absolutely, especially the first four years in Orlando and the first four in LA. So, yeah, yep. so to Jay's point, first half of his career literally might be one of the most unguardable players in NBA history. The reason why I don't have him higher is because of the second half of his career, where basically he oh, just kind of attached to whatever team and, yeah, just collected checks for, like, another yeah. eight years and yeah. kind of stat-padded. And uh, I still have the image of him in Boston his last year, barely able to run up and down the court. And it's to me, I'm just like – he probably played three or four years longer than he should have, mm -hmm. but I, I couldn't put him in. I couldn't put him. In my, there was no one in my top 10. I could replace Shaq for. So I, I get Shaq being at 10 on your list. Uh, that's not a bad pick at all, but uh, yeah, I had him at 11, but so, you know, you could have went either way. Ryan, what, what do you have at number 10? I actually, I actually have Shaq at number 10 as well. You do? All right. I went back and forth a little bit, but I think, uh, the first, you know, like, like you said, eight years of his career, he was the most dominant big man we have ever seen in the NBA. Not not one of. He was the most dominant big man we've ever seen. You could not stop him. I, I will never forget the image. You want to talk about images of Shaq. The image of him putting his hand on Dikembe Mutombo's face <laughs> and just yamming on him in the over one NBA Finals is one that I, I will never forget. I mean, he absolutely demolished 
Dikembe Mutombo, who was a, a very good defender uh, during his prime in the NBA. So uh, I think uh, Shaq, to me, is the most dominant big man we, we've ever seen just in terms of, you know, unguardable. Now, y- y'all are right about the latter part of his career, and that's the same reason I've got him at number 10. But those first eight years were uh, were special. Uh, you know, we were just talking about this on Franchise Players yesterday, and we were talking about LeBron James, and I had brought up the question to – uh, Rod Funderburg, Brandon Blakeney, and Jalen Gilkey from WFMY uh, News 2 uh, regarding LeBron James. What are his iconic moments? Like the guys that I expect in the top 10 for this list, I expect them to have one or two or maybe a bucket full of iconic moments that everyone kind of just knows like when you say it. And for me, for Shaq, it's him breaking the backboard like in, in a couple of basketball games, actually. Uh, he did it on top of Charles Barkley once. Uh, there was another one where he snapped the actual not the the backboard but the actual metal pole <laughs> that was like the double pole that was holding the backboard up he snapped the oop, that the oop, half, that he, the oop that he the alley oop that he caught from Kobe against uh Portland the Portland yeah. yeah yeah that I mean there's there's a number of like uh moments with Shaq that like he's got a bucket of iconic moments the if you remember inside stuff these come on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. yeah. watching mm-hmm. as a kid mm-hmm. that that image of Shaq in Orlando uh, running after a loose ball and sliding down the court and going out of bounds like what it is, it's coming towards the camera. Like that's an iconic moment, you know? Yes. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff I remember about that guy. So uh, Shaq's not a bad pick at all. Um, my number 10 guy is actually Tim Duncan. Five NBA championships, did it with class, Wake Forest alumni, played all four years at Wake Forest, was the number one overall pick in his class, and well, in the 97 draft, and did not disappoint. A lot of times, number one draft picks take a while to blossom or never fully reach their potential. Timmy never did that. Timmy was pretty much Tim Duncan from the get-go. Still the only player I can think of to this day that used that... um, that square on the backboard as uh, as well as he would with that bank shot that he had that became, that's kind of his iconic shot. Um, one in multiple decades with different teams. You know what I mean? One with, with David Robinson kind of being the leader. And then you saw him kind of take the lead in the early two thousands. They beat a really good Detroit Pistons team in the finals and one of the, probably the lowest watched NBA finals ever. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, beating the Miami Heat, the Heatles, with LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Like, he he was a winner in multiple eras, and he was a winner all the way up to the end. And I love the fact that when he retired, there wasn't a lot of uh, hurrah or, you know, let's make a big deal out of it. He just basically said, I'm retiring. <laughs> and that I was mean, it. And walked off. I love that. That's, <laughs> that's his personality. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, he, I mean, I, I'm not going to get too much into Tim Duggan because I've got him coming up here soon, but – uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest winners of his, all time. His his uh, his Hall of Fame speech actually cemented him for me in the top ten because it was the first time really I got a chance to kind of see him have a little bit of personality. But it also just reminded me of who he was and like his work ethic and everything else. And I, because of that and his longevity, I have him over Shaq because he was good throughout his career, not just the first eight years. He won more titles than Shaq. He's considered the greatest power forward of all time. Yep. So, I mean, I, mean I, I can't put Shaq over Tim Duncan. I'm sorry. I just can't. It doesn't make any sense to me to to do it with that with that being involved with it all. Um, let's go to number nine. Uh, I'm almost scared to ask him, but JP, what uh, what do you have at number nine on your list? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Irvin, got, Irvin Magic Johnson. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Nine? I wasn't going to interrupt. Go ahead. That's why I put the rule in. Go ahead. Explain your explain yourself. <laughs> I mean, just based on the numbers. I mean, he doesn't have the numbers that my top five do. He just doesn't, and um, he doesn't have. I mean, he, he would. Yes, he was the he was the engine on those great. He was an engine on those great Lakers teams. But you know, if you look at it outside of the numbers, you know, he was a superstar on a team of superstars and Michael Cooper. And I would take Michael Cooper. Hey, I, I, I would take Michael Cooper over slander. a bunch of these <laughs> idiots I'm watching on television now. So I'm Ooh. just saying the numbers don't. These numbers don't lie as far as what they did. I mean, the, the the guy played. Let's see, Magic Johnson played in 190 playoff games, and he played in 906 regular season games. You know, and he the, his point total 
is a lot lower than a lot of these guys. And but he had a lot of assists, and he was a rebound guard. To. Yeah, right. I, he didn't yeah. have to be the big scorer. <laughs> but his, <laughs> but his, but like the stuff that he brought, um, I really. So you got to remember, and, and these rankings, fellas, are also based on how I weighted the importance of some of these. So keep that in mind. So, but, you know, uh, tastes vary. So my, I may have, you know, if, if you divide up 100 amongst rebounds, blocks, assists, steals, uh, postseason play, and, and, of course, points and rebounds, you know, then that's, you know, I weight things differently. I'm a big, I'm a big rebounding guy and guards who rebound get a lot of um, extra points um, with, with me. But in that case, magic is going to be my number, number nine, just based on the numbers alone. Uh, so, <laughs> we're, so we're just going to completely throw away that he was part of a tandem that saved the entire league. We're talking well, about, we're talking about, Individual players' performance. Yes, wow. but it, he wow. he saved the league by his performance. <laughs> like he didn't save the league because his name was Magic Johnson and he was yeah, pulling yeah, yeah, rabbits but, out of hats at halftime. Right, he was I out there playing ball. But I didn't. But I didn't factor in like marketing star quality, Nielsen ratings, TV deals, and that kind of thing. You're absolutely right. This is a, here's a spoiler alert for you guys. This because of the way I had to rank these guys, I had to take my personal feelings out of it. Because if I had to take, uh, you don't like I, him. I think I, that's no, where you went wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> I think no, no. We took the personal. No, you took the personal top, touch out of it. Like I, I like, I like. Yeah, but I, I can't do as an analyst. I don't do that. I don't. I don't it goes against my thinking. Let my me ask heart, you this. Let me ask you this. This. It's Jordan, LeBron, Duncan, uh, Magic, and Shaq. That's my top five. If I'm just, if I'm. Thank you for giving it away. No, no, well, no. But it's no, not no, what no, this no, top five is going to be for. Is what you're saying? No, no, that's not on this list. If I'm at if I'm at a restaurant or a bar, or a bar talking about this with other people, off the top of my head, then my he- my heart would say that those were my five favorites as as the five best. But they certainly aren't that based on these numbers. Let me ask you this question, then we'll go to Jay. Uh, do you have a point guard ranked above Magic Johnson on your list? Shit, no. Um, let's see. <laughs> 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 Sorry for my language, but we're on the internet, so we're yeah, no, there's no FCC here. So we're, that, we're, that, we're, that, we're, that was a, that, that was kind of a, a ridiculous wait a minute. Do we... I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there. You're I just really want to know if you had somebody ahead of that much. I mean, he is the only true point guard on this list that I'm looking wow. at. Right wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Literally. Oh, uh, Jay, Jay, uh, Jay, let's go. Let's keep it moving here. Who do you have at number nine on your list? Number nine, I'm kind of going to go with the same criteria as Shaq, but this is just for a different reason because he got hurt and he will remain hurt. I'm going to go with Larry Bird. Okay. That's fair. Well, and because had he not gotten hurt, he probably would have easily been in my top five. But then he had those chronic back problems forever. But the guy in his prime was phenomenal. And one of the best shooters of all time. He had 24 points a game, over 10 10 rebounds a game, six assists a game. I mean, the guy did everything. And like you were talking about earlier with Magic, he and and, uh, Bird and Magic kind of brought the NBA back to what it is now. I mean, and and they were both part of the dream team, which is – by far the best basketball team ever assembled. The uh, '86 Celtics. The dream team. Oh, the dream team. No, I'm sorry. The, the dream team. The dream team. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I agree. Um, you know what's funny with me with Larry? I used to hate him because I'm a Lakers fan. So of course, Larry Bird. I, I, I would never give him credit for anything as a kid or a teenager or a young adult. But now, as I'm in my 40s and I look back on what Larry did and some of the nonsense he was doing in games, Larry Larry Bird was a problem. Larry Bird was a serious is. problem. Oh yeah, like, and he was—he might have been one of the best trash talkers of all time. Oh yeah, and able to back it up. Those are the guys I like. I like the guys that talk trash that are able to back it up instead of just talking trash and it's just empty calories. Like there's nothing going on behind it. That was not Larry. Larry, there's these mythical tales of Larry Bird that I can remember as a kid that actually happened. I watched these games where he decided one night, I think it was in Portland or someplace, where in he was going to play the whole game left-handed. And played left-handed, scored like 27 points, and, and like just literally, he just did it because he wanted to. 
I mean, I, uh, and, it, and he told the writer afterwards when they asked why he played with his left, he said, because we've got the Lakers next week, this weekend, and I wanted to save up my right hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what kind of nonsense is that? That's crazy talk to me, but I, I completely respect it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, Larry's on my list. Uh, he just, he hadn't popped up yet. Uh, Ryan, what you got number nine? I've been going back and forth at nine and eight, uh, but I, I'm going to go with Larry Bird as well uh, at nine. Uh, been going back, going back and forth with with nine and eight, but I'll I'll go with Larry Bird at nine for for the injury reasons as well. But but I mean, you know, showmanship. Uh, him and him and Magic kind of say save the NBA. Uh, you know, if Lynn Bias doesn't, if the Lynn Bias thing doesn't happen, oh my goodness, oh the, yeah, the NBA might have been totally wow. different from the late eighties to to the yeah, early nineties. The Celtics yeah. would have like 21 titles or something yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah so but, so yeah. I mean I you know I think that that was something that really hurt the Celtics uh, and really could have like propelled them even further up to the next level. But still, what what Larry Bird was was able to do, uh, and let's be honest, I mean he had some decent help, but Larry did it more by himself than Magic ever did or Kareem ever did. All right, I'm pushed back uh, on that. He had no, like the greatest. No, no, he had like he had the greatest. Argument? He has the argument for that. He had an all-time front court. What are you talking about? <laughs> he had the, one of the greatest power forwards beside him in Kevin McHale, yeah, yeah, yeah. and okay. he had an all he had an all star center in Robert Parrish that's in the Hall of Fame. Like, all star is not the same thing as the cons- best center wait, of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. Like they're considered <laughs> one the of the best. greatest. They're probably the greatest the front court of all time. It's like I can't think of another three. Thing. It's can not I, the same thing as having the best center of all time. Can I can I tell you that when I was researching all my stuff with all this detailed numbers that Robert Parrish did not come up a whole damn lot. Exactly. I'm you know guys that played way too long. I'm just saying. People I mean, yeah, yeah, Chief, Chief played for like, yeah, Chief played for like, what, 24 years or something crazy? He was a Hornet. He was a Hornet towards that. Most people don't even know he was an all star. Yeah, yeah. Because of how long he played. I don't want to hear that Robert Parrish was the same thing as Kareem Abdul. No, I'm not saying he was the same thing. Like, I'm saying as a, as a unit. No, no, no. Play. I'm saying as a unit, the Parrish, McHale, Bird yeah. were considered one of the greatest front no, courts. Bird had way less help than, than Magic did. I'm a, and as the sake for time, I'm, I'm going to keep it moving. My number uh, nine was actually Bill Russell. Um, 11 NBA championships. That's probably never going to happen again for a player. Uh, eight straight. That's probably never going to happen again uh, for a player. Uh, I don't have him higher because individually his stats, uh, it just depends on what you're looking for, really. I mean, if you look at his career, well, he averaged 22 and a half rebounds. You're going to get some pushback <laughs> here if you got Will tired than Russell. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil my list, but uh, I've got Bill Russell at number. Uh, oh my god, number, number eight. I've got Bill Russell at number nine for a reason. It's interesting uh, how you could have somebody that couldn't beat the other guy higher. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of interesting things in these lists. Apparently, uh, Bill Russell. I mean, he literally has he, he averaged 22.5 rebounds a game for his career. Uh, exactly, that is ridiculous. Uh, he he wasn't much of a scorer. Uh, 15 points per game was his average. The highest he ever averaged in a season was 18, and that was in 1960. Uh, I'm not saying he, he wasn't a great player. Hell, the, the most valuable player awards named after him. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and act like Bill Russell wasn't a good guy or a good player or, or anything of that sort or the main reason why the Celtics had, you know, 15, 16 championships. But I did not have him higher than the eight above him. Uh so, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, let's go to number eight. Um, JP, <laughs> who do you have at number eight? Let's keep it rolling. I had I had Larry at eight. So okay, we, cool. We can, move, oh, all right. we, we can move on. Yeah, we can save some time. I actually have Larry Bird at number eight also. Um, okay. uh, did you guys have – who else? Uh, what did you have at number eight, uh, Jay? Uh, I'm, I'm, to save time, I'm going to go with Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, okay. And then – and uh, and Ryan? I had Tim Duncan at number eight. What? Okay, Duncan, Duncan, and Bird is who I was going back and forth with at, at nine and eight. But Duncan's uh, longevity, the fact that uh, he, you know, he beat beat a great Pistons team, he beat Shaq and Kobe, uh, he beat LeBron twice in the finals. Uh, yeah, good he's points. One of, he's, one of, he's one of the best winners of all time. So I go, I Duncan at eight. 
Duncan's kind of underrated, to be honest, which is crazy right, considering the, 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 gonna, the career I was he had. Gonna say, you That's could, because you, of the, his personality. Yeah, yeah. You could put you could the, the, what I have at nine through six. You could put them in any order, and I wouldn't. Or nine through seven, you could put them in any order. I mean, mine is kind of the same way. Yeah, I kind of felt like that too. Uh, it was my top five that I kept moving stuff around in, really. But well, let's face it. Ever since Tim Duncan walked on the campus of Wake Forest, he's been about the most modest superstar of all time. Yeah. Yeah, and it suited him well, and he went to the right place. He went to San Antonio and had yeah, the right absolutely. coach. Well, that, that, if he had went Pop. to someplace else, like, uh, if people forget, Rick Pitino took the Celtics job thinking they were going to have the number one pick exactly and Tim right. Duncan. Think of how different Tim Duncan's career would have been if he had been drafted by the Celtics and Rick Pitino was his first pro coach. Like, that, we well, might not be talking about Tim Duncan as a top ten player. Well, you know? it would be him and Paul Pierce, though. So, that I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so happy that Paul Pierce's name hasn't popped up anywhere on his list because I am not a Paul Pierce. It might uh, be on JP's list. <laughs> it probably is. Negative. <laughs> Negative. All right, who do we got at uh, number seven here as we get around the curve here um, with two more to go? Who do you got at number seven, uh, JP? Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, my word. You've got to be kidding me. Clear the floor and let, uh, let JP explain this real quick before we before we burst in. Uh, why, do you have, why do you have his airness at number seven? All right. Um, all right. First, first, of all, can, first of all, that doesn't respect my belief as a person in the ball don't lie category is that oh Michael, Jordan is, is my, my, Michael Jordan is the best player that has ever played the game. That is my personal opinion. Wait, wait. So, so he should be number one on your personal list. No, no, I, got, no, I got a question. I got a, I got a, I got a question for JP because I got a lot of pushback when I when I've made the when I've made the case that you could put LeBron ahead of Jordan. I'm not saying I did put him ahead of Jordan. So is LeBron ahead of Jordan on your list, JP? Unfortunately, Clearly he is. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! What is happening? <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> gracious! At this rate, he has to be like st- like a number of steps ahead of him, right? Because he played uh, uh, six years longer, way ahead, like or four years at this point, five years. So oh yeah, because yeah, because he doesn't have a gambling problem. Um, so <laughs> oh my goodness, we're not so, using off court stuff. We're not that's using right. off court. That's stuff. what I'm trying to tell you guys. This is this is what makes my list so ludicrous and entertaining at the same time it's i don't know if i call number, it entertaining but the numbers ba- like these are formulas these are formula weighted formulas that i've used and based on the formula i've got this is where he turned up uh, uh we're, we're actually we don't, i wish we had done this if i had known in advance then we would have saved time to really get into I this and we'll, to warn you, we'll have I to come back to and you. dissect these for sure uh and i, and I even yeah did, i know i know <laughs> I look, I, really- <laughs> I, I waited um, playoff performance at sixty percent for the, and and did the regular season at forty, and then I try. I was like, "That's ludicrous." Let me try to do it eighty twenty, and it still came up that way. So you know, that's just it's just based on the numbers, Ryan, and him, what- and him playing for the Birmingham Barons. And what is that? What? <laughs> that has nothing to do with him being the greatest basketball player of all time. If anything, it, just, if anything, just it should accentuate to... the argument that he is because he took a year and a half off, turned back, so I can, just and then won so another can, three. Hurry up so I can put um, uh, uh, Robert Horry at number six. Come on, oh hurry up. My, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jay, who do you have, oh who do you have at seven, Jay? <laughs> I, I really battled with this, and I almost put him in the top five, but I had to look and just – I put Kobe at number seven. I, I just cause I think in a lot of ways he got overhyped, but I, I, I'm not saying he's not a great player. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he was overhyped mainly cause he was a ball. I mean, he just was a ball hawk, but I mean, I'm, I, that is not at all a, a knock at all against him. And the guy's clearly one of the best players of all time. But and if anybody wants to knock me where I put him, that's fine. But I have him at seven. I can't really hate it. It's, I mean, really, I, we're going to get to a point where it's interchangeable until you get around the top three, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not mad at that. Um, I, Ryan? I, think, I think I had him at seven or six at one point. In this thing. So, no, I don't have him there now. But yeah. I did have him there at one point. Um, yeah, same here, same here. I almost so have him I, in the top five. I can't really. I, we'll see. Mm, we'll see. Um, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'm going to go with uh, Wilt Chamberlain at seven. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean – the Gotti statistics, I mean, I, I can't put him ahead of Bill Russell because he couldn't beat Bill Russell. Um, so I, I'll put him at seven. You know, the Gaudy statistics, I think they're a little overhyped uh, just because, I mean, outside of Bill Russell, who was he really 
who was really guarding him that you can name? I can't. Man, I mean, we can't penalize him for that, though. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just God's gift to him. Yeah, yeah. we can't penalize him. I'm not necessarily penalizing him for it. I'm just putting it out there. Like, so will nobody can guard will. I, and I was gonna say I have I have uh, well actually okay. Uh, at, at seven, I have Steph Curry, uh, and I've been battling with where to put him. I knew he was going to be in my top ten. I just didn't know where, and it kind of ended up being more along the lines of out of all these guys, except for maybe one who we won't get to until we get to our top five, unless you're JP Mundy. <laughs> Steph is the only guy in this top ten that changed the game at every single level of basketball, like. Steph Curry has changed the game going forward in high school ball, in AAU, in college, in the pros, overseas. Everyone, it's all outside, inside now. And Steph was the catalyst of that. Like, I, there's only a couple players in history where you can point at them and go, that player caused them to change the way that they officiate the game, the way that the rules are for the game. A- and he's one of them. Like, Steph is one of them. So for me, I have him at number seven. And plus, he's won three, he's, he's won three NBA championships. He's won two league MVPs. He's the only player in NBA history to win the MVP unanimously. So out of all these guys we're talking about, Will, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, he, none of them won it unanimously. Shaq, Steph did. And he did it in a year where, I mean, his team went 73 wins. I mean, I, I can't deny what he's done to the game of basketball and what he's still doing. So I got Steph at seven. Um, real quick, we'll get to number. Here's our uh, number six picks, and we're gonna finish oh, these next week. Uh, uh-huh. uh JP, um, <laughs> who do you have at Let's six? See who the first player ahead of Michael Jordan is. Uh, <laughs> who do you have at number six? Uh, <laughs> Lay it on us. I think he left the building. Nah, he's still here. There he is. What? <laughs> there he is in the car. What up, JP? Who do you have at number six? He's trying to figure out his mic. What or is something. he doing? I don't know what he's doing. Do you got us? Can you hear us? All right, for the sake of time. Uh, oh, there he is. JP's still doing? trying to. I don't know. He's trying to do something. Jay, do you have your number uh, six while JP's yeah, no, he's already Can you hear me? Oh, oh, there yeah. he is. I knew he was going to do that. I'm here. <laughs> who do you got? Who do you got? Right, six real quick. Uh, I go in with James Harden. Or Robert Horry. Oh my gosh! Uh, you got to pick one. I'm just, um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just—it's Kobe. It's Kobe. Okay. Okay. It's okay. 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 Wait a minute! Okay. You have Kobe Bryant ahead of Michael Jordan. The numbers yes, have Kobe Bryant. Seriously, he's got—he's got six people above Jordan, uh, Desmond. Seriously, I, 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 but some of six these people above Jordan. Some, some of these, you get to a certain point where it's like, okay, Kobe himself said that he's not better than Jordan. Like, how can we put I Kobe ahead of him? <laughs> like, I, I understand. He patterned his game after Jordan. He's—he's he's literally I understand. Jordan remix, but you got him ahead of him. That, the Is numbers, that because he played seven? He played seven years longer. The numbers say. He's number six. That's all. Oh my gosh. Okay, Jay, who do you got number? We've already talked about him, but uh, uh, my number six is Duncan. Okay, and then Ryan, who you got? I got Bill Russell at number six. Okay, I have Wilt Chamberlain at six uh, for for literally the same reasons why I have Steph Curry at seven. Wilt literally made them change the way they officiated the game back then, and mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain would have ten championships. Oh, like yeah. there, there was no one that could really mess with him. And I actually put him at number six because of a video. Uh, I don't know who got it. I don't know where to find it from again. But somebody had put a video on Twitter of, of Wilt Chamberlain running, uh, like after a rebound. And my man was getting down the court from free throw line to free throw line in like five steps. So like it's the craziest oh, thing when you see it. Yeah, like he's like boom, 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 boom. boom and he's already down there. Like he, he's running so much faster than everybody else. Um People kind of forget all that, but still holds the record for most points scored in an NBA game, 100 points. I don't know if we'll ever see that. I don't know if there's a player playing today that can get to 100. Nobody. Maybe. Devin Booker got to 70 in a regular season game. The game Uh, game has changed so much now that, like, they were shooting more. Like yeah, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Most of most of the Chamberlains are dunks are coming around the basket. He did it. Like, yeah. Especially guys, he did it without a he did it without a three pointer. He got a hundred points without three pointers. If, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there was a shot clock. Uh so that, uh, you know, so and yeah. Just, if I'm wrong, didn't he average a triple double that one year? 
Yes, he uh, did. Yeah, shoot. Will, that's why I have him up here yeah. and not Bill Russell. Will Chamberlain averaged 50 points and 25 rebounds oh, a game for a season and did that's not incredible. win the MVP. That's incredible. Bill Russell won the MVP that war, that year. Uh, Oscar Playing Robertson averaged a triple-double the whole like year. me and Jay. They can't, I can't fault him for that. that <laughs> I can't fault him for that. He, that's he, who Will Chamberlain was playing against. He was playing against me. If we Brian dropped Will Chamberlain and if we dropped Wilt Chamberlain in today's NBA, he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. That's him. I mean, that's literally. literally him. I mean, it's not like Giannis is the greatest ball handler himself, but he I can mean, get he's, from he's three good. steps from the the key to you know the top of the key to the hoop. And I, I I'm pretty sure Wilt did. Will a, I don't think Wilt did a whole lot of that. I think there was a whole lot of catch, turn, and dunk. Well, yeah, there, again, there was like you guys just mentioned, that, that was the game. Like, there was I think Wilt would have been able to adapt. That's it. <laughs> Give it the will. JP, what do you yeah, gonna say if, about if his off, off the court ventures? Hey, that might have shot him on, up JP, to the top five. You're knocking Jordan about gambling. What are you gonna say about Wilt Chamberlain off the court? I think Wilt Chamberlain and his off the court exploits are both heroic. <laughs> Hall of Fame worthy, <laughs> and 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 something to aspire to for every young man, especially in the position of of, of star. Oh athlete. my god! I think somebody worked it out. I think somebody worked it out mathematically. He would have averaged like like five a day or something crazy Good like Lord. that, which makes no sense. He but wrote. hey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> still, we got to take a break. That's our uh, so we're up to the top five. Lord knows who JP's gonna have in his top five. Probably mm-hmm. uh, uh, JJ Barrera and mm-hmm. who JJ else? Reddick. <laughs> <laughs> JJ Reddick might be in there. Might be in the top five. There's no shot that he's on my list. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the franchise players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio.